Planescape Torment, the unofficial audio series. A narrative let's play adapted and produced by Revoke GM. Combining in-game audio with additional voice acting through dialogue and descriptions to improve your listening experience. Rediscover the amazing story of the 1999 cult classic isometric video game, Planescape Torment, like you've never heard before. There's a light bustle of late morning life in the Flophouse. Stood in the same spot as before, awake this time, is the large four-legged goat man readying himself for the day. Much as this creature's body is a combination of man and ram, his head is a mix of sorts with a broad flat nose, goat ears, and a pair of curling horns. Intricate designs are shaved into his colorfully dyed pelt, and a beautiful four-flanged pole arm leans at his side. He doesn't seem to notice you as he carefully oils an ornate golden shield. Morning. He turns to face you with startling speed, his eyes dark and wary. <sighs> what do you want, Two Legs? His hand is close to his polearm. I... I don't recall ever having met anyone of your kind. If you permit me, I would ask some questions of you. He seems to calm down. His hand drops away from his weapon. He still keeps a certain distance from you, however. What do you wish to ask me? Why are you so wary of me? He seems sad for a moment. This place, a wretched, unclean place, is full of unfriendly, sometimes desperate people. Not the best place for a visiting barrier, two legs. He shrugs. I have business here, though, and so here I am. Visiting? You do not live here. The Borea shakes his head, laughing. <laughs> no, no, no two legs. No Borea could live like this. Where are you from? From the plains of Isgard, two legs. They are my home. He smiles in fond recollection, warmed by the memory. You start to feel a cramping in your stomach, and a headache is boring its way through the front of your skull. You haven't eaten or drunk anything since waking up in the mortuary. You're not sure yet if you even need to eat or drink, but the pain lingers still. Uh, is there anything to drink here? Don't drink any other poison. Aloe here reserves you. Trust me. He tosses you his wineskin. You take a deep pull on the spout. The taste is sweet and clean. Keep it. You look like you've wrestled with the Jotunbrod. Thank you. Uh, what sort of business were you here for? Another time, two legs. If we ever meet in a happier place, I shall tell you all about it. Until then, then. Farewell. I just one thing. He leans to you and stares into your eyes with intensity. You snore like an olifant and drool like the foopup in your sleep. <laughs> Farewell, two legs. He claps a large hand onto your shoulder and gathers his shield before striding out of the flophouse. After a moment, you follow, passing the slumlord Arlo leaning back in his chair, a damp, twisted rag covering his eyes. He doesn't pay you any attention. Outside, the air is chill, but the haze has thinned, and you can practically see the whole arc of Sigil shearing through the sky above. The square is busy and bustling with a frantic energy, 
A band of guards with hooked staves and spiked reddish armor march purposefully towards one of the many crumbling buildings. Its door, that is barely hanging onto its hinges, splinters under the heavy knocking, and they force themselves inside to a chorus of screams and shouts. At the corner of the street sits a man in a loose-fitting tunic. He hardly moves a muscle as weary workers jostle and barge past him. Every inch of his skin is covered in a web of black lines. It's as if some artist chose to accentuate every crease in his flesh with a quill pen. The overall effect is such that even when his face shows no expression, he appears to be frowning. Greetings. This one has a name. This one is called Porphyron. As he speaks, the lines on his face bend and settle into a series of spherical patterns. This one would know. Why do you address this one? I just wanted to ask you some questions about the city. This one would have you know. This one cannot answer your questions. The lines on his face twist into angles, then split into a mess of scribbles. This one has only recently stepped foot in this place of walls. Uh, all right, then. Uh, I, I have to ask, why do those lines upon your face move? The lines show anger. Do you take offense? The lines slowly straighten, forming into gentle curves. No offense was meant. Will you accept the many apologies of this one? No offense taken. Why are you angry? This one tells of event recent. Did you know? This one was beset by three. The three demanded an item of this one. This one feared an attack. What does this one do? This one surrendered the item. Well, you were right to be afraid. If there were three, then they might have killed you had you not given up the item. This one has been misunderstood. The lines on his face become angled, then smooth again into curves. This one did not fear being killed. This one feared killing the three. Well, if you could have killed them, why did you let them rob you? This one walks the path of a warrior. Many weapons have walked with this one. The fist, the blade, the stave, the hatchet, the smiter. These tools are all known to this one. That's not much of an explanation. Again, if you're a warrior with that much training, why let them rob you? This one is forbidden to attack. The lines ripple across his face as he speaks. If this one had struck at the three in anger, the vow of non-violence would be unmade. Vow of non-violence? You're a warrior and a pacifist. This one is unfamiliar with your speech. Uh, what is this pacifist? Never mind. Why did you train so much if you are not permitted to attack another? This one is of the Order of Eritage. We await the final days where we will all be called to battle. The training and skills of this one, they are to be kept silent until then. In the meantime, what? You will let yourself be robbed in the street without defending yourself? This one will clarify. The item is of value. The discipline of the Eritage is of greater value. Since you won't fight, any chance you could talk these thieves into returning your item? This one addresses the three thieves. What happens? The requests of this one are met with scorn. The three will not return the item. I could go see if I could get the item back for you. This one must ask. Would you bring violence to the three that have robbed this one? <laughs> well, if they aren't smart enough to hand it over when I ask, things could get ugly. The lines on the man's face form into a series of overlapping ellipses. If that is the message they understand, 
then that is how the message may be conveyed. All right, then. What is this item you've lost? The item is this. A rope of black and red prayer beads worn around the neck. The worth of these beads is not measured in copper. The worth of these beads is measured in faith. Do you know where these three thugs might be? This one knows where the angry words were traded and the item lost. By the bar that burns inside. The three were outside the place, dressed in black and red. Three robbers dressed in red and black, outside a bar that burns on the inside. That can't be too hard to find. This one thanks you, stranger. Uh, Farewell. You are becoming more familiar with the layout of the hive, and head southward, or downward as the cages call it, and find yourself at a crossing of two broad streets. At the nexus of these streets, standing out like a sore thumb in his fine clothing, is a plump man looking around at the buildings with some confusion. He looks lost and is mumbling to himself. Greetings. Are you all right? The man looks relieved as he sees you. Oh, at last. I I beg your indulgence, good sir. I seem to have gotten turned around in this maze of streets. (laughs) I'm afraid this area of the city is somewhat unknown to me. The residents seem most unwilling to extend aid to a visitor. He looks at you, eyes wide with hope. Could I prevail upon you to help me, perchance? At least as far as I can. Where are you trying to go? Uh, I seek the house of my Aunt Marguerite. She is reported to dwell in the house close to the mortuary, but the street seems to have changed since my last visit. Do you know of the house of which I speak? I'm afraid that I have never heard of such a place. Ah, well, I suppose it would have been too much good fortune. Well, uh, I thank you for your time, good sir. It is most welcome on these streets. Uh, Farewell. As you turn to leave, you instinctively check your purse and notice the man removing his hand from it. He doesn't seem to know you saw him, however. Uh, Perhaps, sir, you could seek the services of a tout... You engage the man in light conversation and secretly study his movements. You notice, where his clothes first appeared fine and opulent, they are frayed and worn and don't seem to fit him all that well. Ah, yes. Uh, Tales of them being throat slitters and cut purses has left me wary, I suppose. Is there one nearby? I'm sure you'll find one in the square. Spire would have here. Hmm. This man seems to rely on two things. One, pretending to be a well-to-do citizen out of his element to lower the target's guard. And two, distracting the mark by having the victim point out directions. When the victim turns to a point at a street or landmark, the man skims the mark's purse and tucks the items into his conveniently long sleeves. You make a mental note of his technique just as he makes another grab for your purse. And you grab his hand. The man gives a yelp and desperately tries to yank it free. Stop struggling or I'll keep your hand. He seems to wilt beneath your gaze. Return what you stole from me. Now. He nods and begins to empty his pockets. He gives you a handful of coins, far more than he stole from you. The total must come to a few dozen copper commons. No. You keep the rest. I only want what you stole from me. He looks at you in surprise, as if you were tricking him, then shrugs and puts the excess back into his pockets. We're even. Now, I never want to see you again. Understand? He nods. You let him go, and he runs backwards directly into a patch of razor vine growing deep into the bricks of the building behind him. Awkwardly, his sleeves keep catching on the barbs, 
You almost feel ashamed to look at his desperation. Finally, with bleeding fingers, he untangles himself and flees. You walk for a few more minutes, distracted and feeling slightly foolish. You start to think you've lost your way again. However, the clearer weather affords you a strange perspective on the curve of the city, useful for navigating the winding streets, and you begin to see the upper crest of the mortuary fall into view, its black spined crown an ugly marker of your rough location. Along a wide carriageway, you pass another of the jagged, nameless monuments, and hear someone mutter. There is Teresa walking ones, it looks like. You turn and see a striking, young, red-haired woman dressed in elaborate leather armor. Her right arm is covered with a series of interlocking plates that look as if they were taken from the skin of some creature, and a horned shoulder piece protects her left arm. Oddly enough, she has a tail that is flicking back and forth as you watch. Uh, excuse me? Pike off! Who are you? The woman sneers, then makes an obscene gesture with a tail. Pike off, you clueless sod! Uh, hey, easy, I, I just, I... Uh, 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 I? And what is your want? I, 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 I can't help but notice you have a tail. Do I now? She looks at her tail. So I do! And here I was, thinking it was the trick of me eye. My aunt, you sharp cutter! She bares her teeth. When you piss off to whatever hole you crawled out of and leave me be, me nor my tail is for trade, Jack. All right, I was just. It's just curious. as well neither you nor your tail are for sale. You couldn't squeak out a living with them anyway. Uh, what are you about, you blighter? Say it again. He didn't say anything, but I'm still curious. Why do you have a tail? The woman's eyes narrow to slits. Are you daft? Can it be that you're dumber than stone? Or may, or may I have you the power of ignorance? May the dabbers brick you over and make your street. Look, I just... She's <laughs> tiefling, chief. They got some demon's blood in them, and that makes them paranoid and defensive. Nice tail, though. Shame it's plastered on such an ugly body. Whoa, now... You better latch your bone box, you foul mouth to me, my frost splits it from your jaw, chick. Why don't you try and split my jaw, chit? All I'm hearing is a lot of chatter from some hive trash. Throw a punch, I dare you, I'll bite your legs out. Enough. Hey, <laughs> that's right. Leash your memer, Tad, or I'll bury him with his body, Jig. Memer? What are you talking about? Hey, memer! What, the gulf between your ears so wide me words echo? Egypt. You still haven't answered my question. What's a memer? Memer's a talking encyclopedia. That's me, Chief. Got it. She glances at Mort, then you, and sneers. <laughs> I guess I know which one of yours the brains in. Uh, yeah, yeah. L look, I, I had some other questions. Hey, and what is it you want? N n nothing. J farewell. I pack off to wherever you came from then. You storm off, flustered and frustrated. In mere moments, this tiefling has gotten under your skin more than any pickpocket, thug, or trash picking scum has managed so far. You boil inside as you march along the street. Hey. Are you all right? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Mimer, your skin prickles. You are itching for a fight. Let's just find this bar that burns inside and get this man's beads back. I'm guessing he meant the smoldering... Smoldering cor corpse bar, I got it. That corpse, the cadaverous signpost pointed this way, come on. You know, you're running the show here, but it couldn't hurt to be nice once in a while. You continue down the carriageway and come to another gate. Two great stone pillars spiral and twist into clasping hands. 
They have a majesty that is discordant with the dark lead-roofed buildings squatting in the center of the square beyond. From underneath the pillars, staring at you, is a slight man toying with a curved sickle-like blade. His arms are covered with interwoven chains and his long ears are tipped with dark, downy fur. As you approach, he takes a step back. His eyes have an anxious, predatory light, like a scavenger. Just looking at him, you realize he's sizing you up to see if he can best you. But his voice quavers with uncertainty. Uh, leave me be. I'd done nothing to you. Don't even think about attacking me, or my blade will have a new home. He looks at you sullenly. Are you looking for a fight? I'm not looking for a fight. Spittle flies from his mouth as he speaks. But, but you're the one who should watch yourself. If you think you can take me, you should. No one speaks to me that way, and no one threatens me. Take back what you have said, or you'll be too dead to have a second chance. You understand me? I... I swallow my words then. I... I meant no offense. Good. Keep your distance, or I'll gut you. You and I shall not cross paths, then. No offense was meant by sharing the street with you. All right, then. Get out of my sight. Now. Whoa, hey, whoa, calm down, Chief, will you? Come on, we don't need this kind of trouble. You ignore Mort, leaving him to console the thug and head deeper into the square. This whole place feels dark and shadowy. Heavy smoke wafts from the grates and chimneys, forming a smothering blanket, accented by a deep, permeating red. Packs of drunks leer at prostitutes, posing beneath their lanterned trees, their murderous pimps eyeing them like hounds in the pits. Everything is coated in a fine grey ash and a layer of grime that seems ingrained in this part of the hive. Suddenly, a woman stumbles into you, then stumbles back and flashes you a lopsided smile. <laughs> she smells like a distillery. Ugh. Ugh. Hello. She waves at you, <laughs> then breaks into a stream of giggles. Hello, big cutter. Name's Rhonda. Nice to meet ya. She starts laughing again. <laughs> are, are, are you okay? She squints at you, puts her hands on her hips, and bends over enough to give you a bird's eye view of her bosom. Don't I look okay to your cutter? <laughs> well? She shakes herself, causing numerous jiggles, and starts laughing again. Uh, you're the one who looks to be needing some love and care. She pokes you in the chest with a finger for emphasis. Uh, uh. You offering? She gives you a mock, hmm. stern gaze. I might be, if you be making the right offer. She presses up against uh, you. What'll it be? No thanks. Uh, but maybe you could help me, though. Ah, aren't you a demanding cutter? Can you just tell me where I can find No, 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 no. She seems quite amused by the word and taps you on the chest to emphasize it. No, no. <laughs> Never mind, then. You notice her removing her hand from your belt pouch. She doesn't seem to know you saw her, however. <sighs> the second damn time today. <laughs> what did you say? You look around. Mort is distracted by a drunken couple who seem fascinated by his garish charm. You lean in close to the woman in front of you. You know, maybe I was too quick to turn away your kind offer just then. Oh, so you think I can help ya? <laughs> well, sweep me off my feet with such flattery. 
All right, then. She checks you up and down <laughs> and seems to sober up a little. Uh, nay, nay, I, I think you'd be more than I can handle, Ewitt. Nonsense. Uh, I'm sure there's nothing you couldn't handle. <laughs> she smiles and laughs coyly. Laughing along with her, you maneuver her out of sight from the crowd and watches her hand darts to your purse again. Her trick seems to be distracting the mark with her sensuality and drunken chatter while she lifts the coins from their purse. The sleeves of her dress look to be long and baggy on purpose to hide any stolen items. As her hand makes the grab for your purse, your hand snaps out and wraps around her wrist in a crushing grip. <laughs> She immediately drops a drunken act, desperately tries to yank her hand free, and starts screaming at the top of her voice. Your free hand clasps her mouth shut. Stop screaming, or I'll remove your lungs. She stops cold and looks at you with large, frightened eyes. Return what you stole from me. Now. She nods. She peels back her long, baggy sleeves to reveal a small padded bag hanging from her wrist. It looks like she can palm coins and drop them into the bag. The padding muffles any clinking the coins would make. Without a word, she gives you the bag. It's filled with a few dozen copper commons. We're even. Now, I never want to see you again. Understand? The words echo in your mind from earlier this morning. She nods slowly. You lock your eyes with hers. And suddenly, you force your grip to her throat, pinning her into the bricks of the alley. Her eyes widen as your hand constricts around her neck. She claws desperately at your fingers. You feel a shiver through your body as you look at her. You know you've killed this way before. You desperately try to cling to the memory, but it slips away. Submerging into your unconscious, the feeling fades, and you realize what you were doing. You release your grip. Gasping, she jams a knee into your coin and forces you backwards into the alley wall. You feel a crunch as your head connects with brick. Your eyes dim, and she escapes. Something has changed within you. A hardness has formed, but twisting beneath it is a feeling of what you may have been, and may yet still become. Thank you for listening to Planescape Torment, the unofficial audio series, a Revoca GM production. To support the show and those involved, please consider subscribing to our Patreon or donating via our Ko-fi page. Links to both are in the description.